Hello, and welcome to the Cross-Functional and Friendly Podcast. I'm here with Stella Garber and Kristen Hayback to talk about all things tech and startups, leadership, marketing, product, and sales, and of course, life. So who are we and why are we doing this? Well, the three of us met years back when we were building something you might have heard of, a product management tool called Trello. Kristen led sales, I was a product leader, and Stella led marketing. Trello was acquired by Atlassian in 2017, and we've all continued on with our lives and careers, but of course, we remain friends. Right now, I lead product at The Knot Worldwide. Over to you, Kristen. We're excited to share our stories and stories of other tech leaders in operational roles, highlighting how people work together in different orgs and how our careers have progressed while also living rich lives outside of work. In addition to being the CRO at Shogun, I'm also an avid runner. Obviously, someone else wrote this script. Uh, (laughs) I am an avid sitter. No, I I sit on multiple boards while also wrangling three children that are a constant handful. I don't know how you do it, Kristen. I'm Stella. And that was an awkward transition. I don't know how you do it, Kristen. I have one less than you and surviving. So I'm Stella Garber. And post-Trello, I've stepped into some investing shoes Boots, stilettos, definitely not stilettos. What is even stilettos? I don't know. What is pants, honestly? (laughs) But I'm an active angel investor with investments in over 30 early stage companies. And today I am so, so, so excited to invite our dear friend Liz Hall to the podcast. Liz was VP of people at Trello, and she was the reason why Trello became literally the best place to work. These days, Liz is so, so many things. She is the chief people officer at Splash. She's a vocal advocate for building inclusive remote cultures. She's also a mom. We have many questions for Liz. But first, Liz, give us a much longer bio. Tell us all about yourself and your career journey. Thank you, Stella. And thank you, Kristen and Nikita also for having me. Super excited to have this conversation. Bio. So I started in tech. Well, let me back up a second. When I um, first started working, I was in the entertainment industry. I was working in production at television and radio, film, also photographer. And I fell into the world of tech, becoming the fifth employee at a startup called Fog Creek Software. I was the only non-developer at the time. So I did basically everything but coding. (laughs) And from there, I helped the co-founders, Joel Spolsky and Michael Pryor, build three separate companies Fog Creek, Stack Overflow, and Trello. And as you mentioned, we had the acquisition by Atlassian, and I helped lead that through a people perspective. After that, I became head of people at a fintech real estate startup, and I'm currently chief people officer at Splash. I have two children, a 13-year-old, and I how I don't know how old is he? Eight. I have a dog that I adopted, who's like my third child. I just went through the New York City public school high school application process, which is a nightmare. Oh no! Wow. And something that you three do not know: Charlie has a girlfriend. Oh, <laughs> oh my God! Oh, He's a teenager. Whole, um, I'm processing the fact that. You have a 13-year-old and that he has a girlfriend because I was there when Liz's water broke for that 
that child. We were at the Fog Creek office together and she stepped behind the fish tank. Ingrained in my memory, she stepped behind the fish tank and my water broke. And I was like, I had not been around anybody having a baby before. I was like, and I was like, okay, good luck. Yeah, no, that's true. And then I believe at some point you talked with Michael Pryor. He then drove me to the hospital. Yeah. But dropped me off at the corner, not the front door. (laughs) And so I had to waddle to the actual entrance in labor. Oh my God. Uh, You know, we just heard the story. Oh my God. Oh, there's so much more about it last week. There's so much more. Later, you know, and shouldn't we all just go back into the office to have moments like that? You know, you uh walked us through a little bit of, of your background, Liz. One of the things I personally have always wanted to know because I tried to recruit you into sales when we were working at Fog Creek together. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, it, yeah, and you declined me, which was very heartbreaking. But, but why did becoming a people leader end up being? you know, what, what spoke to you. I just like it for my own personal notes. So I know how to recruit better next time. Yeah, sure. So, so like I mentioned early on in tech, I did all the things. So I was, I had, I dabbled in sales and marketing and the IT person and the office manager and the receptionist and working on the servers. I'll never forget walking into the office, being the only one there and things were beeping. And I was like, you know, I was the first customer (laughs) service. And then I also was the first recruiter. And back then in all of tech, HR didn't exist. HR was like a dirty word. And Mm -hmm. sometimes there'd be a people role. But back then it was always a recruiter who happened to deal with HR issues. And by default, while helping grow Fog Creek Software, I took on any employee relation issue. It would just naturally come to me. And so in the beginning, it was pretty much learning on the job. But as I was able to scale with the company and then again with Trello, I got to realize, you know, that's the area that I excel in, that I enjoy. And so then I really just focused on that. But when I think about, I was asked this question not too long ago. And when I think real hard about why I continued with that is before being in tech, when I was in the entertainment industry, I personally felt all the things that are wrong with potentially Mm -hmm. HR or people teams, you know, working at a music label, working at production companies, there were a lot of the horror stories, quite frankly, that when I was by default helping other employees, I wanted to that never happen to them. And so I always became an advocate because I knew the wrong way. I've seen the wrong way for things Mm -hmm. to play out. And so I definitely played the part of the advocate for the employee, which was, I was lucky that I was working with someone like Joel and Michael, where they really cared about culture. And so being able to develop that muscle of taking care of employees was I was able to focus on that. People and HR was never just paperwork at all. And yeah, and I just helped grow the function. And by the time I, you know, became more in my career, I started to see more and more 
pop up in the in the space of startups and more and more and more there were networks and you know lo and behold there's heads of people vp of people chief people officers are the must now you have boards you own investors for a lot of reasons which is a whole nother question people now care about hr and so it's been really interesting to watch the development of the role itself. Yeah, I, w- I mean, I definitely agree. I, I've seen that shift myself, even on, on some of the board, board work I have now. I think it's something people are prioritizing, which I think is is a next interesting question. It's kind of you've done this function now at a variety of different sizes and stage companies. Mm-hmm. So what do you kind of think are some of those core differences that you've you've felt from being that real generalist at the early days of, of Fog Creek and then through through all these different stages of public, private, you know, fast yeah. growing, VC backed? Yeah, of the role itself, or I guess there's so many ways I can answer that. So I think at the heart of it, the responsibilities are the exact same. You have under the umbrella of people, you have verticals such as recruiting, HR, performance management, values, diversity, equity, inclusion, internal communications, the list goes on and on and on. That You take that no matter where you go. How you then implement it depends on the stage and size of the company, as well as what their core values are, how they truly live them, and what you can bring to it. So, you know, there's been places where I've stepped in and built the entire function from scratch. Splash is an example of that. And, you know, having to build out all of those verticals while teaching, you know, what does a head of people do versus joining a much larger organization like an Atlassian where it becomes way more specialized. So it's way more depth of one particular item versus at a smaller company, you know, covering way more, as well as you get more of a seat at the table, right? Being on an executive team, being at every board meeting, presenting on, you know, KPIs, being a true partner to a CEO. It's, it's, I find that I thrive more in that smaller startup, you know, probably, uh, I think, D is the latest stage that I was been a part of. Anything past that probably isn't my, you know, where where I thrive. But I think the pillars of what a head of people should cover are the same and how they become successful changes. Yeah. I have a related, like maybe tangential question, which is I always think about some of things in the context of like your ambition. When you think about how your career has evolved, going from entertainment, kind of in some ways stumbling into this role and then obviously growing and thriving in it. How have you kind of managed your own ambitions in terms of what you wanted to do next? That's a great question. Somewhere along the line, I decided I wanted a career, not a job. And I'm not exactly sure when that happened, but I do know I was forced to really investigate what I wanted when we did get acquired. And I had, you know, two de- a decision to make at a fork in the road where I could, I could stay and probably be successful as an individual contributor, or I can continue a path of leadership after a lot of painful, you know, uh, self-reflection and figuring out, I decided I wanted to be a chief people officer. I wanted to make it to the C-suite 
And I figured out, I, I tried to figure out how to get there. And I knew my next job wouldn't get me there, but that next job would help get me to the next one that would. And so how do you keep your ambition? I don't know. It's hard. I mean, being a people leader, especially right now with COVID and social injustice and, you know, people switching to remote, it's in the hardest time ever to be in a people role. The the employee relations are more about mental health and well-being more than any other topic from before. It's really hard to be in this role. It's very taxing. So in terms of staying motivated. I love my people too, so I want to be motivated for them. I I love our exec team and I wouldn't want to trade that in terms of the relationship we have. And I want to win. I want the equity of the company to be worth something. I want another liquidity event. Can you just say that one more time? I want to win. (laughs) I like the sound of that. That's why I wanted her on sale. (laughs) I tell our CEO as many times as possible that I want my equity to be worth something and that I want this to be my last job, which she quickly says, this wouldn't be your last job. You would lose your mind and you work somewhere. But, and so- I, you know, we built out an exec team that also wants to win. Efrad, who is our head of customer success, she and I talk all the time, customer services, about how, like, our, you know, is our equity, what, what's the status of our equity? Like, we, I don't know, I surround myself with people who want to win. I want the equity to be worth something. So what does that mean? That means building the best company. And then in, from what that means in my role is attracting the best employees and keeping the best employees. How do you do that? You need to examine the entire employee life cycle and making sure you are doing everything possible to create a great culture that it is up to date, right? With 2022, we're constantly changing. I've been at Splash for three years now. And much like at my other companies, the longer you are at a place, it's almost like three different companies. Like every startup land every year was almost like, seriously, I've been at Splash for three years. It's like I've been at three companies just on size, the problems we're tackling, the goals. And I'm really excited for the future. But I also, I suppose, stay, what was the word? Ambitious. I think that's the word. Because, you know, I look at my kids and I keep, you know, seeing the dollar signs of college over their head. So, you know, that helps keep me motivated as well. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) That'll keep you motivated. Oh man, there's so many questions I want to ask you. And I'm just trying to think about what the best ones are. I think one of the ones I want to touch on, Trello was a pioneer in in remote work really before. And it's a little bit like uh, a lot of people are doing it now. There was this huge function to make a lot of people figure it out, but, but you would really pushed for it beforehand. And honestly, I guess even Fog Creek, right, really had gone remote to some extent, which allowed Trello to go remote or had accepted some remote employees. Tell us a little bit about the journey of like going remote. Because when I started at Fog Creek, when you were at Fog Creek, it was the opposite. Like I had- Office, office, office. Yeah, I was two hours away each direction. I went uphill both ways to get to that that office. So tell me the journey to go remote and what that was like for you. Yeah. Trello ended up being, I think the example best in class of what it means to have a remote culture and a remote company. And we learned um, along the way with a lot of bumps in the road. Right. And the cool thing is you're right. Everyone now is kind of scrambling on how to make it work and looking back on what we had boy, were we ahead of the times. I mean, it was it was amazing. I think one of the difficulties, and I will answer your question, but one of the difficulties now is this isn't 
remote. This is still remote in a pandemic. It is it is people working remotely who are burnt out, who are stressed, who, you know, it, it's not, oh, I work from home and then I go out and have fun. People are still scared and worried. And there's a lot of things happening in the world that make people depressed and it's hard to shake that off at work. So what I'll say is the biggest challenge now is that we aren't in a place to have companies really embrace and know what it's like to really have a remote workforce without that. But going back to um, how we built it or the story behind it is we were all in office. It was so important to be in office. And then one of the more or less founding members, original crew, one of those first five members with me many years later was going to move to Hawaii. I mean, as far away as you can get. And there was no way we were losing. It just, and and it forced our hand of, okay, I guess this particular person can go remote. We'll try it. And it worked. There were some issues. We figured them out. Communication is the key. We then thought, hmm, maybe we could hire someone else remote. Wow. Look at all this talent we have access to that we never um, even knew we could get before. You start hiring some, you know, top, top performers who happen to be remote. You, you then learn, well, how do I recruit remotely? What it's a diff, Are there different skills that we now need to look at in terms of someone being successful working remotely? How do you now take a office culture, the folks who do remain in office, and make them feel like you're not losing your whole company culture? How do you make remote feel included? So many learning moments, but I, I think we definitely got there. And, you know, I'm fortunate to have that experience because I was able to take that over to Splash once COVID hit. I'll never forget it. March 16th, 2020, went remote fully remote now, closed. We had offices in six different locations worldwide. We only have our New York one now, completely voluntary to go in. And I was able to immediately just, you know, pull out of my, I guess, bag of tricks, all the things that we used to do at Trello. And it was really funny because from the day I started, I was like, have, you know, have you ever thought about hiring remote employees? And no, 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 people should sit elbow to elbow. I was like, no, you can do it. You can do it. And so I slowly, those first two years were chipping away at getting people okay with the idea. And then I totally forced the hand. We did it. We're successful (laughs) at it. And now I get to be like, told you so. Hey. I know Stella and I, we've we've talked about this. I know you're a big proponent of this idea as well, like making sure that people understand the difference between remote versus what people are experiencing right now. And some of it to me, like not to get like back to comic books a little bit, but the origin story really matters. So in the Trello case, you have this amazing person who's exceptionally talented and you think, oh, how do we make sure that this person doesn't get away? We'll make it work somehow and we figure it out, which is completely different from the world is falling apart. We're in survival yeah. mode, right? Like I think that, that origin story for a and lot And I have of my children behind struggling me. With, and you have your children behind you. I have you. to be their teacher. Like, that makes teacher. such a huge difference. I'm, sp- I think- I'm spraying groceries with bleach like it's for the people who have lived remote work previous to the pandemic 
it is such a stark difference in terms of the quality of life. And I feel like that has been one of the most difficult things to convey because like that whenever I would talk about remote work, that's the first thing I would say. And people just don't get it because they they don't know an alternative. So how do you feel, Liz? I'm like really – I'm excited for the future because I think specifically also for – there's so many advantages to remote work from a quality of life perspective, especially for parents and especially for like young parents. I shouldn't say young parents, but people – new parents, whatever. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. So – but I also think that it can be kind of – it can be kind of scary, especially uh, with things like the hybrid thing where you get into this thing where now FaceTime becomes important in an yeah. office. So like what are you, I guess, are you excited about the future? Are you nervous about the future? No, okay. I mean, listen, putting world events aside and just speaking about work and remote work and hybrid work, I am really, really excited because like I said before, I know what it can be. And I think you just have to be intentional on the communication around it and how you're presenting why you're doing it. And I think what is the saying? It takes at least you have to repeat yourself seven times before it really lands. And so in the beginning, I none of the rest of the executive team had worked remotely before. So every time we hopped on, you know, a virtual meeting, I'd be like, this isn't remote work. This isn't remote. This isn't remote. This is remote in a pandemic. This is remote. And they it started to land like, oh, it will eventually feel different. And so totally right about having to, to highlight that. But I think you are going to find that it forced the hand of almost all companies. So everyone has now had the chance to at least experience a version of it. So I think you're going to have many more companies sticking with it, at least hybrid, but in-person is so important. And so it's, you have to build in the in-person moment. So very similar to the thought process while at Trello at Splash, we try and see each other at least every six months. So usually at one point it's a team meeting, offsite, gathering, team bonding. And then the next one is the entire company. But having that FaceTime virtually as much as possible as well is obviously important. But yeah, so next week, the entire executive team's meeting in the New York office for an offsite, but so is the revenue team. And, you know, making sure, and then once that happens, putting out the word, Who does anyone want to just happen to work out of the office that day? There is no denying that in-person connection is important. And as long as you communicate that to your employees, that you do get that, that that is important. I think it calms a lot of nerves of this is great. I now moved to Denver and that's a perk I didn't have before. And I can go on a run in the middle of the day, but I miss seeing people. You get to say, oh no, I get it. I miss seeing people too. We will make sure it's built in to have those experiences at well, because when companies made that shift, you know, the first question is culture. How is this going to affect our culture? What do we have to reevaluate? What does it mean for how we communicate the tools we use? It's an entirely new skill set. And one of the things we did was the second we went remote, announcing that we were going to stay remote, we released a year-long project of building out our culture book, which was a way to examine 
our core values and everything else about the company in this new world from the employees and really figuring out what it means. So a really basic example, one of our core values is to show up. Well, (laughs) what does that mean? Is it literally showing up to a meeting in person? Like, no, what does it mean in a virtual world that you're showing up? Oh, it's about being there like to, you know, work with your employees in a, in a, helpful way. I mean, it means a thousand things, but my point is it's like, what do these things mean now um, in a virtual world? How do we have meetings? How do we communicate? How do we still focus on internal events and diversity, equity, inclusion and recruiting and all these things? So we, it took a year because there were so many workshops and everything was built by the employees and we ended up publishing it on our careers page. So it's public to hold us accountable. So we are... We have it for candidates to see so they can opt in. Okay, this is what their remote culture looks like. And then we have it internal as well. And it's going to be a living document. So it it was just released. So probably at least six months to another year, we'll sit down. Hey, is this still true? Do we still behave like this? What do we want to keep? What do we need to get rid of? Because it no longer makes sense. But that's really important. That's awesome. No, I think that's great. I I think it's it's super crucial to have those kind of tenants. You know, we are obviously the the cross-functional and and friendly crew. So I would be remiss if I didn't at least ask you, what do you think is important for cross-functional leaders to think about when working with people? You know, what what do you wish you could tell all those marketing sales and product leaders about working with with the, the people team? Yeah. Well, I would say at the heart of it, for an entire cross-functional executive team, right? The, the executive team as a whole, you mm-hmm. have to build trust. Without trust, nothing is will be successful. And usually by building trust, you are able to become vulnerable. And then you can have the hard conversations where everyone's professional, but you may disagree. And then you know, you know, you say everything you want to say, but then you disagree and commit. And you become team one, right? So the executive team is my team one, my people team's team two. And for my role, the entire company is also a team. But, you know, being able to have the tough, important conversations, but then when you step out to the whole company, being in sync, having the same alignment is so important. So on a base level for the entire executive team, that's just important. And then when you add in just how do you work with a people leader, understanding that it is a true partner, a business partner, where the people leader thinks strategically of what is going to be around the corner in six months, in a year, in two years for the business in terms of people, organizational design, recruiting, tr- internal transfers, potential potential employee relation concerns that folks aren't thinking about now. And, and the number one, honestly, the number one role in a way is being as honest as possible with the CEO. So mm-hmm. being able to build a relationship obviously with all the different functions, but with the CEO is brutally honest, constantly giving feedback, constantly assisting and helping with the goal of making them successful. 
And so mm-hmm. behind the scenes, being able to ping, you know, all the time, hey, listen, I know you communicated this. I think it landed like that. I think you need to, you know, have this other meaning. Oh, I had no idea. Oh, you know, when, you know, you're talking about this, this is a big business um, priority, but people don't know why. You think they know why, they don't know why, right? So having those conversations and then, but that's the same then with any role, understanding the, it's almost, you know, being a connector, shedding light to how other leaders are also considering the same issues and really helping in a way. The goal is to make them successful. The role of a good head of people is not to be a blocker, It's not to say no to everything. It's to be curious. It's to understand the why. And it's to figure out, does that make sense? And that could be across any of the vertical. And so being able to even say, hey, or noticing I'm picking up on attention of a cross-functional relationship. Why this seems so fixable. It usually always comes down to just communication, but Hey, I don't know if you have this context, but X, Y, and Z. And so it's being that liaison. So I would say advice. I would say lean into being as honest as possible with your people leader because they're there to help make you successful and can't do, we can't do our jobs unless we don't know. Just, if, if no one tells us what's going on, we can't help fix it. Yeah, I think that's great. I love that. Well, I'm going to move on to our final question, unless you guys have anything else you wanted to ask Liz before I, I do that. Okay. All right. So I think we've worded this slightly different for everybody. So I'm not sure if it's what advice would you give your 20-year-old self or what would you give your younger self? But Liz, looking back in yeah, time- Yeah, I have the answer. Point, for, okay, any, all right. for any version of that question- all right, I have all the an answer. <laughs> all right, tell us, Liz. Tell us the answer. Get comfortable with change. When I Love was that. earlier in my career, things were a certain way. Maybe I didn't have all the information. Why are we doing this? Oh my goodness, things became a big deal. Even I once mentioned, I, I did a, I, I was in an article where I was asked the same question, and I wrote in there that. It sounds so silly, but a pivotal moment was early on in my career, I was sitting at a certain desk, I was told to move, and I just almost broke down because I was like, I just got my monitor set up the way I want. I just got comfortable with my view and where I'm sitting next to people. I am fully, my whole setup is perfect. I can't move. And an employee named Bobek came up to me and I, and I literally will never remember. This was probably 2006, seven. And he said, you're not good with change, huh? And, and I just was like, I'm fine with change. And then it hit me. I was not okay with change. And so literally from that moment, okay, change, we can handle this. I can handle this. What does this mean? Why, why, why? Right. And then in the startup world, Things change every second and you have to be okay with change. You have to then think about how you do something 20 different in 20 different scenarios, because just because it's said this one time doesn't mean next week it's something else. If I am told recruiting's on pause, I turn to, you know, my director of recruiting. I was like, they think it's pause. You know the truth. I know the truth. It'll pick back up in 30 days. Plan for both. 
cut to 30 days later, you have to hire 50 engineers. So it's just being okay with change, understanding change will come, planning for it. I think actually I've gotten very, very good with change and pivoting and just having it not rattle me at all. In fact, it could be an opportunity, but in the early days, it, it, it rattled me. It made me nervous. It made me scared. And, and, you know, that, that's not helpful. Yeah, that's great. And I just, I will say this for anyone who wasn't familiar, we all know Bob X, so it's not like we were, <laughs> we were kind of we laughing. We all know and love Bob X. And, and love yes, Bob Eck. Exactly. And, you know, it was, uh, Bob Eck was a very sage voice of advice oh, uh, at, at, the, at Trello. I sent him the article the minute it was published and I said, hey, scroll to the bottom. You might not, you might not remember this. And he texted me yeah. back. He was like, I remember it like yesterday. Of course, of course he did. Of course he was like, you were so terrified. You were terrified to move desks. I thought that was so weird. I was like, lasting yeah. memory for me. Yeah, that's amazing though. It just shows like you never know when some of those critical life lessons are going to yeah. be learned. You didn't know that day when you were going to no, be asked to move. No, but I would say get comfortable with change. It's great. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Thanks for joining us. I think that's a really great note for us to to end on, especially with everything going on in the world, everything going on in tech and our lives. So this concept of all of us kind of universally trying to get more comfortable with change or manage it better is really important. So thank you. We are Cross-Functional and Friendly podcast. This is our fourth episode. So if you haven't seen the previous ones or listened to them, please do just go to crossfunctionalpodcast.com. Next time we'll have another amazing guest from, from my world or actually from Stella's world product marketing so stay tuned for that it'll be very exciting give us a five-star rating if you enjoyed this podcast and of course please tell your friends and your family the more listeners the better thanks thanks